You are entering the Freedom Hut. The fight over how or whether you can accept political dirt from foreigners continues. The libs are still pretending that that's not something that Hillary and the DNC did. We know that that's not the case. We will break down that for you. Also, where do they stand on impeachment? How are we doing at the border? We have a senior member of Border Patrol joining to give us some ground truth. And it's Friday, so there'll be a freestyle. Stick with us. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. You think I can speak for three hours without a phone call? Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. At the beginning, I think I said I'd do both. But how are you going to, if you don't hear what it is, uh, you don't right. know what it is. So they say, oh, right. he, would, he would accept it. Well, if I don't listen, you're not going to know. Now, if I thought anything was incorrect or badly stated, I'd report it to the attorney general, the FBI. I'd report it to law enforcement. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Day two of the uh, Democrats' attempts to create a, an opening to begin their impeachment proceedings because, oh my gosh, Trump sold out the country with the Trump Tower meeting where no information was exchanged, nothing illegal happened, and we're still talking about this somehow. That's that's where we are, folks. You got Trump having to say, okay, I'd report it. Let, let's, let's game this out a little bit. You're in a presidential, a very contentious presidential campaign. You receive an email. Perhaps it's an unsolicited or, you know, an email that's a friend of a friend or whatever. I've got really important information about your about your political opponent. There's a high level corruption involving a an oil deal in Kazakhstan. Let's just move it away from Russia for a second. The Kazakh government has all the information and you should know about this. Let's say that we do what the Democrats tell us to tell us now we're is supposed to be done. You call the FBI. Okay, then what? Are you are you not allowed to hear what this information is? Oh, it's a thing of value, Buck. Is it a thing of value? How can you know unless you hear it? Is false information a thing of value? Notice how they've been acting like because Veselinitskaya said the Russian senior prosecutor and the Russian government wants to give this information. She could be totally full of it. He doesn't know. Who knows what this is? Who knows what this lady is? People get. I used to work in counterterrorism. There are tips coming in from wackos of all kinds all the time. You listen to them, though, because sometimes you think someone's a wacko. It turns out he actually does know where the bad guys are. So you hear them out. You hear what they have to say. This, you know, I know the idea, what was it, the FEC, uh, uh, FEC chairwoman come out. You know, it's a classic bureaucrat. It is very illegal and it's a felony and everyone's running saying it's a felony. Okay. How many people have ever been charged under that statute, fancy FEC lawyer lady, of accepting information during a political campaign from a foreign source? What counts as a foreign source? If you use a cutout, is it still a foreign source? Again, people talk about this like they know, and and I want to make sure that you and I are on the same page. Those people are idiots. What they're saying makes no sense. Okay, so let's say Veselnitskaya is is clever, and she says, all right, you know what? The Russian government wants to give us information, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to a journalist at Yahoo News. 
I'm going to talk to somebody who in the media first, and then they can brief you on the information to your campaign, and then you guys can run with it. Oh, you mean coordination with the campaign and the media, like what Democrats do all the time, but they pretend they don't. Can you still not use that information? What about when a, if a foreign newspaper puts it out there in the public domain? Can you still not use that information? How do you draw these lines? This is completely absurd. How would you gauge the value of this thing? Is the information worth a dollar? Is it worth $100,000? A million dollars? You know, who, who knows? So to call it a thing of value is to put, so, and by the way, the FEC does this all the time. This is why you have people who honestly disagree about things like, is this campaign expenditure paying off Stormy Daniels? Is that a personal or a campaign expenditure? Well, you would do it as a person. And if you would do it as a person who wasn't running a campaign, it's not a, but you know, people argue it back and forth. It's like in your personal taxes. Okay, you went on a trip. The first two days, you had nothing but meetings. The third day, you know, you spent on the beach a little bit, but you had one meeting. Is that a work trip? Can you write that off? Well, you know, there's like a formula the IRS has. Yeah, but ultimately, it's a judgment call. Ultimately, all this stuff we're dealing with here are judgment calls. Judgment calls by law enforcement, by the FEC. And the problem that the left doesn't recognize is that you and I have figured out that the judgment calls always go in favor of the Democrat and against the Republican. It always goes in favor of the left and against Trump. Whatever it is, you know, Hillary gets a pass. Trump gets a special counsel. Hillary's aides get immunity. Trump's senior advisors get thrown in prison. Hillary can pay a foreigner to collect information from foreign Russian government sources But because she paid for it and did not, I would note, put this on their campaign expenditures and tried to hide it from the public, that's fine. But Trump's senior campaign folks taking a meeting with a woman who says she's given information from the Russian government, they want to hear what she has to say. That's the worst. That's the crime of the century. All of a sudden. Serious people can't think these things. Don't don't get caught up in this frenzy. Don't don't allow them to obscure what you and I can figure out just by by walking through what really happened here. You know, this is when you hear from people like Senator Mark Warner, who has been peddling the Russia collusion lies for two years, should have no credibility whatsoever on the issue, um, and is now trying to trying to really get get his momentum going as being a, a chief anti-Trumper. Um, and here's what Mark Warner is saying about, uh, about Trump and this whole situation. Play 13. All of us, when we take an oath of office, uh, swear to protect the United States from enemies, both foreign and domestic. The comments of President Trump yesterday were extraordinary, even in a Trump world. The fact that this president has so little moral compass or understanding of the need to protect our nation, that he says he would still welcome information from Russia, China, or any other potential adversary if it helps his political campaign is outrageous. But this is all so stupid. It's a hypothetical. It all depends on what the information is. 
Again, scenario analysis. This is what you do in the CIA all the time when the CIA was something of a, a real place that did real work. I mean, now the intelligence community seems like it's it's inv- involved in all this deep state coup plotting nonsense, at least at the top levels of it, which is going to shame the community for many, many years to come, especially when the inspector general report at the DOJ comes out. But let's let's take this this new standard they have of, oh, you can't speak to foreigners, can't speak to them, can't hear what they have to say. And, and you know, they always say, oh, Russia. Okay. No, the, the standard has to be foreign government, period. It can't just, there's not a special Russia standard. It has to be foreign governments, period, because Christopher Steele is a foreigner. But let's say that we, that we have a situation where the Russian government is going to pass along to Trump. Remember, Hillary Clinton's husband is taking $500,000 checks for giving 30-minute-long or 40-minute-long speech from a Russian bank, which is effectively a state-owned enterprise in Russia. It's a state-supported and owned enterprise. And her husband's taking half a million-dollar checks. They're, they've made over $100 million giving speeches and selling access. If the Russian government had an email from a Hillary aide saying, look, we can really move this policy for you, but Bill needs to get that check. That's quid pro quo corruption. That is a a felony. And that is any prosecutor would bring that case. If they had that. And Trump found out about that. Is is he then under, you know, is he under obligation to not say anything about it? Or no, he's supposed to pass it along and and hope that, oh, I don't know, James Comey and McCabe decide to do something about that. One part of this that seems to keep getting lost is that the very people who at the top of the FBI and the Department of Justice would, if this standard of call the FBI right away was followed, the Hillary partisans that were at the top of those organizations would have been the ones entrusted with making a determination about what to do with this information. And there wasn't even any any information. None of this makes any sense when you when you. Dig deep into it when you really look at what is being said. People are, oh, the FEC lady said that it's a felony. And I know Judge Napolitano, whom I like, he's a nice guy. But, you know, sometimes his legal analysis. I was there at Fox once when he said that Obama delisting somebody as a terrorist organization could be considered material support to a terrorist group. I was like, no, that's not how it works, man. You're getting out of your getting out of your bailiwick here, Judge. It's a different kind of law. So, yeah, but he's saying that Trump was willing to commit a felony. That's not true. It's not a felony to talk to somebody. The First Amendment implications from this should be clear to anyone. You don't know if someone's a foreigner or not. You don't know if they're on behalf of a foreign government unless you at least hear them out. This woman presented no official credentials. She could have been a total wacko. It seems like she kind of is a wacko. She was working for Fusion or meeting with Fusion GPS. That's not a coincidence. We are told to skip past that. But... You know, Senator Warner, you know, he he also had, I, I believe, some contact with the Russians. You have the Democrats reaching out to Ukraine, trying to get information from them. That's anti-Trump. But Warner's saying, well, you know, first thing I did was contact the FBI. Play 14. This morning, the president tweeted that you should have contacted the FBI after being contacted by some hoaxer. What is he talking about? Well, I don't have any idea. I think he's talking about actually something that happened with Mr. Schiff. Um, but I would say this when... When I had contact with someone that, uh, uh, that's been reported, first thing I did was, of course, I contacted the FBI. This goes to what we saw from Democrats during the effort to smear and destroy Kavanaugh 
and you've seen it since then, and it could pop up a few more times, where Democrats now treat the FBI like some kind of super police force. Like, oh, well, there's a problem. Just tell the FBI. Even the same FBI that thought that there should be a FISA warrant on Carter Page. The same FBI that started a full field investigation based on disputed rumors at a bar with George Papadopoulos that led to nothing. That FBI? Oh, yeah. Just tell the FBI. And then what? If the Trump campaign had said, hey, FBI, we got this weird pitch, but, you know, then it's up to the FBI whether or not they can talk to this person. They don't have that authority. They would have started an investigation. Okay, an investigation of what? That someone said they've got information about Hillary Clinton? Is is that now reasonable suspicion or even probable cause? Hey, I've got oppo on Hillary. I think everybody who's ever read a newspaper has oppo on Hillary. This all falls apart. This is, it's, it's all part of the hysteria all over again. These people, they just, they can't, the circuits are now wired in a certain way in their brains where they are incapable of thinking rationally and normally about this. Everything is a horrendous conspiracy. Trump's destroying the country. He's a traitor. He worked with None of this is true. None of this is real. And they haven't gotten any better. You'll note they, they give no uh, no slack, no credibility to Trump's side of things at all after the Mueller report. They're not even willing to move past Russia collusion. Now they've really gone and, and tried to return us to you know, attempted collusion, which is not a thing. There's no, there's no attempted collusion. It didn't happen. But uh, you know, the, the legal theories you're hearing from people now, this is, this is just insane. You can't talk to somebody because they might be a foreigner. They might have foreign government information that they're going to share with you. We live in a world where information is global and instantaneous. We live in a world where somebody could send you an email unsolicited from, you know, from, from Beijing. It comes into your inbox in seconds. And now we're supposed to have this traffic cop situation of, oh, I can't, I can't look at that information uh, about, about my political opponent because that would be it's one thing if you solicit criminal information or if you say, you know, hack into this. And, you know, yeah, and th- that's where some of the discussion has been more real about this. It was 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 there any effort to work with the Russian government to work with, uh, you know, well, not fa- not Fozzie Bear, well, Fancy Bear, Fozzie Bear, something else. Fozzie Bear. Um, Fancy Bear and, and Guccifer and all this. stuff. No, but there was no effort to do that. So that's why they come back to, well, now they wish they could have done it's, isn't it exhausting? It must be really tiresome to be such a crazy lib in the era of Trump, to be this freaked out about the world all the time, irrespective of what the facts may be in any given moment. It, it just must must weigh on them. It's got to be hard to be this crazy all the time. I, I almost respect it, although, no, that's not true. I, I disrespect it. But here we are. Freestyle Friday. We are in New York City. It's a beautiful day, absolutely beautiful day here. Hopefully it's beautiful wherever you are too, but it's going to be wonderful in the Freedom Hut no matter what the weather is outside. So stick around, team. There's no equivalence between those two examples for a campaign to hire a law firm an American law firm who then turns around and hires an American research company who then contracts out with a foreign individual. That is not illegal. Oh, I'm sorry. So so if you create if you have a cutout, then it's okay. 
if if you empower somebody else on your behalf to go work with the foreign government, do the foreign government uh, research and, and pull the oppo together, that's fine. I mean, that was deep state extraordinaire man McCabe and Andrew McCabe, who also was fired from the FBI, lied multiple times under oath the inspector general, lied to his own team, his own staff at the FBI about leaks that he uh, that he gave that then he yelled at others for. And he's saying there, there's nothing comparable about this. Are we really to believe that that no one at the Clinton campaign knew that Christopher Steele was having meetings with people at the top of the FBI running sources from Russia? Is notice? Oh, yeah, just just on behalf on behalf of the law firm, you know, nothing to see here, nothing. I mean, I can tell you that when you hire someone else to do something that would be illegal for you to do, you generally are in trouble. This is not a a place you want to be in. When you empower someone to do something on your behalf as a political candidate that would be illegal for you to do, you're going to be in trouble. But no, there's there's no comparison between this. That's right. The dossier was just fine. Someone should ask McCabe, are you such a moron that you still think the dossier is true? And why were you and others around you in the FBI so stupid? Because it is a question of stupidity that you bought into all this without knowing any of the subsources, without knowing anything really about the skill and the expertise of Christopher Steele in this whole process. Just probably going by word of mouth if they knew anything at all. You're going to run to the FISA court with this. You're going to use this as one of the one of the most fearsome tools of surveillance the federal government has. Just skip right around the Fourth Amendment. It really, it's an end run on the Fourth Amendment. That's what it is. It's no longer in the criminal process. It's in the national security side of the House, which is just whatever the government says it is. And it was abused. But it's not comparable, McCabe says. There's, you know, I, McCabe is among the worst. And the stories about him that I've heard are that he's a real, real jerk, uh, which doesn't shouldn't surprise anybody. Just look at the guy. He looks like he's trying out for the role of FBI director all the time. Um, we got more on him and the deep state and how they pretend that everything was fine with the dossier. That's coming up. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Mitter McConnell seems to take great pride in calling himself the Grim Reaper. It's part of his political campaign. It's part of the pride he takes as leader of the Senate. For the first time in my memory, I agree with Nancy Pelosi. I am indeed the Grim Reaper when it comes to the socialist agenda that they've been ginning up over in the House. Well, this is uh, full uh, bore socialism. And yeah, as long as I'm the majority leader of the Senate, none of that stuff is going anywhere. What is the better nickname for Senate Leader Mitch McConnell? Is it Cocaine Mitch or is it the Grim Reaper? <laughs> that's a t- uh, that's a tough one, man. That's that's. I call. I really loved Cocaine Mitch until he started calling himself the Grim Reaper. He's got some great nicknames, you know. M- Mitch's branding lately it's been very strong. Yeah. I love our nicknames on our side. You know, we're the Grim Reaper, Cocaine Mitch, and they're like Nervous Nancy. Yeah, no, I know they're they're not, they're not good at the nicknames. That's for sure. I I do. Uh, I do think that uh, 
you know, Mitch is doing a, a good job with what he can with, with holding the line, and that is on judges more than anything else. You got to give Mitch credit. He is a lean, mean, conservative judge uh, confirming machine. But Pelosi, she doesn't like all the, all the attention that Mitch gets. So nervous Nancy does not like Grim Reaper slash cocaine Mitch. Oh, but before we, uh, we went on a break, we were talking about Andy McCabe. Now, Andy McCabe got fired from the FBI. He's a little bitter. You remember, his wife's a Democrat. We know Andy's a big lib. I mean, they'll say he was a Republican, but he's probably registered Republican in like 1985 or something. And since then, I don't know if, you know, who's responsible for transforming him, but he's a big lib. Or at least a big anti-Trumper, which for our purposes is the same thing. And don't think that there's any shortage of libs at the top of these federal bureaucracies. They're full of really aggressive, progressive types. You know, that's why before we get in the cave, there was this uh, story yesterday I meant to get to in the show. I just we got a lot of other stuff to talk about. Kellyanne Conway, the Office of Special Counsel, which is separate from the Mueller thing. Uh, they're saying that she's violated the Hatch Act and, oh, she's violated the Hatch Act, so she should be fired. And that's never that recommendation's never been made before. Let me tell you some of the Hatch Act. The Hatch Act is Hatch Act is pretty silly. Uh, the, the Hatch Act is so broad and can be interpreted in so many ways that uh, I, I remember that we had a joke poster with Reagan on it. It was a joke in my office, and there were people who made Hatch Act. Ronald Reagan, okay? I don't think he's running for president again. But there are people that made an official, they're like, it's a Hatch Act violation. And the people that are whiny little hall monitors about the Hatch Act are always libs in the federal government. You never have conservatives say, hey, you know, can you not have that, like, Bernie wants to save the earth, go Green New Deal sticker on your on your you know official government like computer or whatever. It, they, no, no one cares. It's always the whiny libs that are like into Hatch Act violation. I got accused a few times, producer Mike. This may not not officially officially, but people like were like, I think book you might be violating the Hatch Act. And I'm like, maybe because I love America so much, you filthy commie. That's a violation of the Hatch Act. Then call me a Hatch criminal. Loving America is not is wrong. I don't want to be right. But yeah, that was why. That's why you know what you know what the move is. We'll talk about the uh, White House press secretary role later. And uh, guys, I'm not officially throwing my hat in the ring, but I'm not not throwing my hat in the ring. You know, what really would really light light Lib's hair on fire in a way that I think would be would be great. Um, well, there there are two options that came to me, Mike, and you can tell me which one you like better. One would be to make Kellyanne Conway White House press secretary, especially in response to this. She needs to be fired because of the Hatch Act. Make her White House press secretary. That'd just be fun. Although I don't know if she really she probably likes what she does right now without all the structure of that. You know who else would be a really interesting choice for White House press secretary? What if Trump just said, you know, what, we're going to make Candace Owens White House press secretary. Oh, I'd like that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's actually. a great idea. Yeah. She'd love it. Yeah. She'd be good. Like I said, anybody who's a fighter is good with me. Yeah, man. Lives with, li- can you imagine Jim Acosta like, excuse me, I yeah. just want to ask you a question, but it's really a speech where I talk about how brave I am. She's like, what? Wow. Just that would be verbally slaps him around. Yes. It'd be fantastic. I know. A man, a man can dream. Candace, if you're out there, call the Trumpster. Tell him you're up for the job. I think that would be, that would be fun. Um, there's some other. We'll talk about that. And then there's the, the people that are really being talked about as the likely contenders. Um, but we were so we were talking about McCabe before. McCabe is a deep stater. He's at the heart of this whole thing. 
Remember, Andy's office was talked about by Page and Strzok as the place where the, you know, the insurance policy, and that's where they were having the discussion. Remember, the insurance policy was the investigation against Trump, which is what they did in case he won, which is exactly what has happened. So all of us, they can pretend like we can't figure this out, but we figured all of it out. We know what's going on here. But McCabe, until like five minutes ago, or until when he got fired for misconduct of the FBI by his own people, uh, McCabe, we were told, is a, a just a by the book and incorruptible, just like the stuff they said about Comey. They always say this about people that are going to take down Trump, but they're perfect. And you, if you question them, you're you're selling out your country. You know, they're beyond beyond doubt. Okay, well, McCabe has already made it very clear where he stands on Trump. But in, in case we needed further evidence. Here's what he says about impeachment, play 16. I think we are clearly there with the results of the special counsel team. There are so many witnesses who could provide important, essential testimony to Congress that can only be done in the scope of an impeachment inquiry. I think that we are clearly there with the results of the special counsel. McCabe is pushing for impeachment. This doesn't surprise anyone, right? But... Remember, up until recently, we were told that we could treat anything that McCabe said, any actions, any decisions that he took with regard to Trump or Hillary's emails or any of this stuff as totally reliable, totally reliable. Um, Now we know that he is certainly trying to take Trump down today. So let's let's work backwards a little bit. Isn't it reasonable that the same guy that is now forgetting about the fact that he used to work for used to run the most storied federal law enforcement agency in the country and and is supposed to present himself as a nonpartisan he is now a hyperpartisan isn't it quite quite possible that he felt this way before that when the the Andy McCabe of today who's saying that Trump should be impeached the process should move along should destroy this president that same guy when he was involved with whether or not they should investigate the Trump campaign, whether they should spy on the Trump campaign. Don't we think that his judgment may have been suspect then? Whether or not Hillary, you know, in in consultation with Comey, for example, whether or not Hillary should have been indicted and prosecuted for the email scandal where she broke the law over 100 times and they keep saying she didn't. You know, they, they tell us the law matters and then we see that it doesn't matter unless they like it to matter. This is destroying respect. They always talk about destroying institutions. Democrats destroy respect for the rule of law by the way they approach this. Their people should not get prosecuted. Ours should. Their people will not have their lives ruined. Ours will. The country can't sustain this double standard all that much longer. Something is going to break. Something is going to give. And the Democrats are going to be the ones who break it. They might try to blame Trump for it, but it's on them. It is on them. We have more on this, including Mark Warner. Guy's a punk. We'll get into that. Stay with me. All right, let's do a little roundup on where the Dems and the deep staters are in, uh, on impeachment at this point in the game, folks. We know they're trying to make sure that this is a political win for them. It has nothing to do with principle. It has nothing to do with, you know, it's they, they just want this to be, oh, that's right. It helps the Democrat Party. It helps them out. That's the whole plan. And that's why you're hearing different things from different members of, of the different people on the left because they're not really sure yet. Here's let's just start with the, the, the top of the heap. 
Nancy Pelosi on where she stands as of today. Remember, this is all good. We're going to have to do impeachment updates all the time until they get the process going. Then we'll do impeachment process updates and then we'll do, you know, impeachment vote updates. And this is just all meant to be a a funnel. It's meant to be a gathering point for anti-Trump bile. You know, this is where all that they're going to direct all the hatred, all the Trump derangement syndrome into this, into uh, impeachment. Here's what Nancy Pelosi has to say. 17. I don't think there's anything more divisive we can do than to impeach a president of the United States. And so you have to handle it with great care. Have to handle it with great care, she says. Oh, she's trying to trying to make sure there's a narrative of nuance here, right? She's going to be very, very gentle with the whole impeachment thing. She's not going to go overboard with the impeachment thing. Anybody really buy that? Anybody really think that's the way this is going to work out? Nope. Going to be a throwdown, knockdown, drag out fight over impeachment. That is what we are facing. That is what is going to happen. Um, so there is that. And Nancy Pelosi also continues to run around saying that the president is a criminal, which is a thing that I believe Democrats would be upset about if, the, if that was being said by the House Majority Leader all the time about Barack Obama. Not that he had done something wrong or bad, but that he's a criminal engaged in crimes. Ooh. Um, here's Pelosi, who, you know, one moment is trying to seem like she's the wise, steady, elder stateswoman of the Democratic Party. And then the next moment, she's saying crazy stuff that would be right in line with the worst pundits over at MSNBC. Here's one of those moments. Play nine. We are honoring our oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Yesterday, the president gave us once again evidence that he does not know right from wrong. It's a very sad thing. Very sad thing that he does not know right from wrong. I believe that he has been involved in a criminal cover-up. A criminal cover-up, she says. Huh. What exactly is the cover-up? They could have held back the Mueller report, and they did not. They could have claimed executive privilege and had fight after fight in federal court to prevent information from even making it into the Mueller report in the first case or from from Mueller being able to get that information. They did not. Where's the cover up? What is the criminal cover up? Is she now referring to the to the obstruction? Well, why doesn't she just refer to obstruction? Why is this now the, the new flavor of the moment? Is criminal cover up. But Trump responded to this specifically. And you know how the Trumpster does it. He's uh, he's good at the responses. Play 10. It's a fascist statement. It's a disgraceful statement. I call her nervous Nancy. She's a nervous wreck. And I'll tell you what, for her to make a statement like that is outrageous. Her party got caught spying. I mean, if you look at what happened, Hillary Clinton, with the money that ultimately went to Russia for the fake dossier, that total fake pile of stuff, that money gets paid. And by the way, the amount of money that was paid, and it was paid by Hillary Clinton and the DNC, and it went to Russia. That's the criminal. I like what Trump's doing here. Got to go on offense. Got to fight back against this. It's just, 
it's just insane that they, they keep running with this. After the Mueller report, they didn't get him. They had so many opportunities to get him. They had, you know, they, they weaponized the federal government against Trump during the campaign. Now they weaponize the federal government while he's president against him by getting the special counsel. The special counsel is really appointed because he fired Jim Comey. Jim Comey's a jerk. who should have been fired. Who cares? The country's fine without James Comey. We don't need him. He's sanctimonious. He's a fraud. He's really self-indulgent. Thinks that everybody needs to hear from St. Comey all the time. Guy's a jerk. But Pelosi says that he's engaged in a, crim- a criminal cover-up and, and should be impeached. What about the Democrat candidates, right? Pelosi's not running for president, thank God. What about some of the Democrat candidates out there? Where are they? T- remember, they, they could change. Monday, uh, they're, they're all using this as a, as a narrative-building tool, and whatever one of them needs to get in the news cycle, get a little more attention at any given time, they will turn around and just start talking about impeachment, who should be impeached, when he should be impeached, all this stuff. It's an easy way to get their name up in the headlines. Amy Klobuchar, when she's not busy throwing staplers at junior staffers or forcing them to watch her eat a salad with a used comb. Think about that, dude. Think about that. You know, those iceberg lettuce wedges and and those little little cherry tomatoes covered in a bit of ranch dressing. And then just that that big clump of Senator Klobuchar's hair that she didn't realize was still on that comb. She just starts chomping down on it right in front of you. Do you tell her? Do you let her just chomp into her dirty comb like a savage? (laughs) Jeez. That whole story, it's still, I can't. Yeah, she's scary. Yeah, she is scary. And by the way, the stuff about her being mean is all true. I've heard it from people in D.C. I've heard it from Democrats. That's not not made up. Um, But... uh, she talked about, let's get back to impeachment. She talked about who should be impeached today or whether or not she should be impeached. Here's what she said, play 18. I would support an impeachment proceeding beginning now, but I also understand that they may want to be doing investigations uh, leading up to it, and I think they should be given the time to do that. More investigations, folks. This has now become the answer for everything. Oh, they just need, they just need more investigations. That's all that has to happen here. They, they didn't get enough so far. They haven't had enough time, enough harassment. Oh, my gosh. It's just nuts. When is it enough? I mean, that's the question that we have to be able to ask at some point. When have they had ample opportunity to go through all the information, go through all the evidence, and just make up their, make up their minds? It can't be both things. It can't be that Trump is the worst president in the history of the world and is so corrupt and so criminal and all these things. And they're not sure though, if they really should go through with impeachment, there's a cognitive dissonance here. There's a, there's a problem. This doesn't add up. If Trump is as terrible as they say he is, then they should have no choice, but to take action against him, but they're not going to take action against him with impeachment. If it's going to blow back on them politically, which means they're really not about principle at all. It's obvious from the way they're proceeding. And I've been saying all along they're going to impeach just because the base is a bunch of frothy mouth maniacs 
who think that Trump is worse than Hitler and he stole the election and he's Putin's puppet. And they fed them this steady diet of psychotic propaganda. And now here we are. Now we've got a left wing base that's demanding impeachment, regardless of where the facts are, regardless of what it will really even mean for the Democrats prospects. They just want it to happen. What does impeachment even do? It's, it's, it doesn't lead to anything. It could lead, though, to a big bounce back for Trump, which is what they're also concerned about. Looking at the majors here in the U.S. in the red, down about two-tenths, three-tenths of a percent, six-tenths of a percent for the Nasdaq, as we're seeing tech get hit pretty badly today. But it seems that the economy in the U.S. is too healthy for investors. Small business optimism is soaring in our very booming and big economy. And today, we give you even more reason for your confidence in the future. Two years ago, in October 2017, I signed an executive order to increase health care choice and competition all across our nation. Since that time, my administration has worked tirelessly to expand options and drive down the cost of health care for the American people. This is the strongest pitch you have, I think, from Trump for reelection. You're hearing it from him, from the man himself. Economy is booming. You had Bloomberg there reporting the U.S. economy is, quote, too healthy for investors. People are now one of the issues is there there's so much prosperity and things are going so well that everyone starts saying, well, it must. It's hard to believe that it will continue the way that it is. And that becomes its own drag in the economy. Right. I, was, I, mean, I was trying to figure out what she was saying there. Was she like being like, we're going to have a crash? Well, like, this, but this is but it was unbelievable. People, well, see, you, you do see this, though, with with real estate, for example, in some places where real estate will just be going up and up and up. And at some point, people just go, it can't keep doing this. So then they don't want to buy real estate, even though there are no indicators they can point to other than it just feels like this can't continue. Um, now, it is true that what comes up must come down and things won't continue on forever. And my my worry and I'm a, we're going to replay this if this comes down to it later, because I, I just have this feeling my worry for Trump these Democrats, it's a big clown show. Biden's not going to be able to take them. I mean, the, the, my concern is that we get into a really bad economy, which would just be blowing off a lot of the bad debt and a lot of the. It, there's a cyclical nature to these things, right? There's you look back and stretching uh, for what the last 50 years, really every 10 years or so, you tend to have some kind of. And we haven't really, you know, well, actually, we're we're at about that we're at about that point, but we haven't had that reset yet. And it, it could very well come in the next year or two, especially because when people don't expect it, can, that can be when it's when, when it's the worst. And, and everyone's trying to gauge the psychology of, well, if everyone thinks it's going well, but the economy is a that is the for me, the deciding factor here for the presidency. I know we're going to have all this coverage of these uh, different you know individuals who are going to run around and say that they're the best Democrat and they're the best for the job for this reason or that reason, all this horse race stuff and the polling and everything. But at the end of the day, I just think that what do you what do we really care about? And especially in the Trump era where we stop, we've stopped this. Oh, well, whoever the president is has to uh, have have a certain affect and a certain decorum all the time. And that that's obviously gone. So when you look at it, you say to yourself, okay, well, if prescription drug prices are going down and if health care is not skyrocketing, at least more than it usually does, but the, the economy's good, unemployment's low, business investment is up, 
Do you care about that or do you care about whether, what was it in Vermont, Producer Mike, that now the state of Vermont will allow transgender surgery for children? Yes. So they are going to allow uh, yeah, taxpayer-funded transgender sex reassignment surgeries for children. Transgender yeah. sex assignment surgery Just for children. Just sent you the article. It might pop up the, on your phone there. In the state right. of Vermont. My God. So basically, they don't have to wait until they're 21 now. You know, it, it, so people might say to me, the, you know, the uh, opposition would say to me, fuck, you're not a doctor. What can you know about this? Well, I can, I can say this. There is no one, doctor or no doctor, who can tell you what the long-term effects and implications are, psychologically or physically, of sex reassignment surgery for somebody who is still prepubescent. Because it, it didn't exist. Yeah. So it's a safe bet to know nobody knows, because how could you know? Because it's never been studied. It's never been done. Right. But that's how, and you know, this is. The, I didn't talk about this in the show. I thought about it, but there's this, uh, you know, Huffington Post has been putting out all this stuff about drag kids. These eleven year old, they're eleven year old, you know, uh, uh, biological males that are dressed up as in drag and doing drag shows and talking. It's, whew, man, that stuff. I, I, I wonder when it's too much. I wonder when it's too much. Uh, Democrats could have a, a compelling pitch. They could. Give a re, you know, they could make a real move on on the presidency, um, but they have to not be crazy. And I just don't know if they can do that. I don't know if Democrats can avoid being crazy. Crazy is too baked into the way they approach things now. They have no way. They have no way of avoiding the crazy because to me it seems they really they really are crazy. You know, we're talking about Hickenlooper later on socialism. The the more normal Democrats are the ones that everyone thinks are the biggest joke. You know, the ones with the, with the exception of Biden. But Biden is an empty suit. Biden's a, he'll, he's whatever they want him to be. I can't believe de Blasio. De Blasio's in this, right? He's de Blasio's in the mix now? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this is insane. Yeah, he's insane. De Blasio is such a clown. He is. And, you know, he's going to be up there. I can't believe the guy's running for president. Everybody I know who works, and I know people still work for the city of New York, they all say that the... The real professionals that work in city government, the, the smart folks in city government, they all just roll their eyes at de Blasio all the time. You know, that this guy's the mayor. Yeah. But he, look, he knows the system. He's like the, he's like the mayor. He's like Carchetti in, uh, in The Wire. You know? He just knows how to work the system, knows how to, how to make it happen. And that's all. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be compelling. You don't have to be honorable or ethical or have a vision. Or you just got to know, you know how to keep uh, certain unions yeah. and certain constituencies on your side in the city, and you'll end up winning. So. When you're a Democrat, all those things you just said work in your favor. Yeah, that's true. They wear it as a badge of honor to be those things. That is absolutely the case. By the way, the one thing we're going to have to get is clarity on. Here's another area of risk, I think, for Trump, which is the wall. He keeps saying we're going to have this great wall. Sorry, a big wall. Play 25. So the wall is going up. It's going up rapidly. Uh, we're going to have over 400 miles of wall built by the end of next year. The wall is very important. Uh, it's hard to breach it. It's high. It's strong. It's powerful. And it's going up uh, at a much lower cost than the wall that was planned prior to me getting there. It's a much better wall, too. We have, you have to see what they built. It's a disgrace. But we're going to have over 400 miles of wall built, and that's going to be in the most important areas. And we're going to have all of it built before you know. But this right. is despite tremendous uh, obstacles that have yeah. been put in front of me by the Democrats. So, you have no idea. 400 miles of wall, but it's 
upgrading existing wall, which does help. It's not enough because the wall that was there, I've seen it. it. It's a joke. You could walk through it. It's not really a wall. You could hop over it. The wall they're replacing with is real wall. It will. It's it's wall wall. It will prevent people from being able to get across in those specific areas, or at least slow them down considerably, which is very helpful for border security purposes. But in but breaking new ground on totally new wall, we don't have that yet, folks. We'll have more on immigration with uh, Chief Hastings of Border Patrol later on this hour. Stay with me. This is a really fun column from my friend Charles Cook over at National Review. You know, Charles has been on the show many, many times, and uh, I, I always enjoy. I enjoy Charles's writing, and I, I think he's, uh, he's a fun guy to talk to. And this is, I, I usually wouldn't give you as much of someone's column on air as this, but I, it, it's pretty short. So with, with uh, of course, the, this is all attributable to the one and only Charles C.W. Cook over at NationalReview.com uh, in the corner, which is, so this isn't even a full editorial, but it's the worst advice column ever written. You got to think to yourself. That's that's quite a statement. The worst advice column ever written. I mean, how bad can this really be? Well, here we go. From Le- uh, from Live Well, Nebraska, comes the most amusingly hysterical and extraordinarily ignorant advice column I. This is Charles Cook speaking. Have read in a long while. It consists of a question posed by a man writing as dumbfounded father. Quote. And a response offered by syndicated columnist Amy Dickinson. At no point in the exchange does either person range within a country mile of reality. Have you seen this producer, Mike? By the way, this column—I'm I'm, gonna—this column's amazing. So this is an advice column, a real one that was published in a real place. Dumbfounded father, you know, begins his question as such: "Dear Amy, Amy's the advice columnist." This week, I discovered that my intelligent, hardworking, responsible 24-year-old daughter who lives with me is a gun owner. Charles breaks this down. What exactly is the purpose of this description of his daughter? Is the implication that an intelligent, hardworking, and responsible person should not own a gun? Would the purchase be more understandable if it had been made by a stupid, lazy, and reckless person? Is it that women should not own guns? Long live the patriarchy. Or should gun owners be older, perhaps? He doesn't say. It gets worse from there. Quote, and it's not a normal gun either. It's a 40 caliber semi-automatic and she has hollow point bullets to go with it. It is difficult to think of a more normal gun, Charles writes, than a 40 caliber semi-automatic pistol. If there is such a thing as a normal gun in American life, it is this one. Likewise, there's nothing especially scary about hollow point bullets, more on which later. The uh, dumbfounded father continues, Amy, this is the kind of weapon a criminal would possess. She says it is for emergencies. There have only been two home invasions in our neighborhood in the last 11 years. Charles writes, a 40 caliber semi-automatic is in no way the kind of weapon a criminal would possess. Hell, what does that even mean? Millions of Americans possess 40 caliber semi-automatic pistols. Tens of millions possess near identical handguns in 9mm, 357, 45 ACP, among others. There's nothing remotely, quote, criminal about those guns or about the people who own them. As for his, she says it is for emergencies part. If that's what she says, then why not believe her? She's an adult, isn't she? Oh, but the... 
dumbfounded father goes on, quote, I've given her three choices. She can either give her weapon to me, sell it, or move out in three weeks. Ah. Charles takes this on. Give the weapon to me is an odd thing to write after writing this is the kind of weapon a criminal would possess, as is for that matter to sell it to someone. To whom? A criminal? Because it's the kind of weapon a criminal would possess. But the move out in three weeks part takes the cake, given that dumbfounded father follows it up with the following. I love my daughter and will be so sad for her to move into a place that she would hardly be able to afford. Thus, the position is, my daughter has bought a gun for emergencies. This is irrational because we live in a safe area that has hosted only two home invasions in the past decade. In consequence, I will force her to live in a place that is more dangerous. But then Dumbfounded's question goes fully off the rails. This is what, the, this, is what this dad, about, I mean, Charles is, look, stepping away from Charles's cut. This is just so fun that he's written this in National Review. I think he's saying this is obviously a fake. I mean, this is like a plant. No, no one is so dumb as to write this column. It's not. I, I don't think it's possible. Maybe it is. There's a lot of dumb people out there. Yeah, that's Buck. true. There's a dumb, and he's dumbfounded, is what he calls himself. So yeah. he, I mean, misla- he's, he mislabeled himself. This he's guy found dumb for sure, but <laughs> yeah. I think he found himself. Yes, he did. Quote: This is what the father says about his daughter, who legally owns, and he says is responsible an adult and legally owns a 40 caliber handgun. He writes, "Quote: But now I have to lock my bedroom door at night." Because I don't know what she's going to do. End quote. Charles writes, has there ever been a better illustration of the weird act that owning a firearm turns even intelligent, hardworking, responsible people into murderous psychopaths? The questioner here is talking about his own daughter. He doesn't know what she's going to do. He has to lock his bedroom door at night. Good Lord. Dumbfounded father concludes. Now she says that I don't trust her and is barely speaking to me. How can I convince her to stop endangering us? Amy's response, now we're at the advice columnist, which could have been calm and rational and tethered to reality, Charles writes, is arguably even worse. She writes, according to my research, possessing hollow point bullets is illegal in 11 states. Is it illegal in your state to own this sort of exploding ammunition? So this, let's just step away for a second. The advice columnist here is basically like, hey, dad, who's clearly a lunatic and needs to be told to calm down. Can you actually call the cops on your daughter and get her (laughs) sent to prison? Because maybe that's the best way to repair your relationship. Right. Producer Mike, you would be a better advice columnist than Amy. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, that's for sure. Here's what Charles writes. It's remarkable enough that a sentence that begins, according to my research, finishes with the characterization of hollow-point bullets as exploding ammunition. Hollow-point bullets are not exploding ammunition. They are normal bullets designed to expand on impact, which does more damage to the target and provides extra stopping power, but also makes them less likely to pass through walls or cause collateral damage. As for the is-it-legal-in-your-state-to-own-this-sort-of-exploding-ammunition question, does Amy also believe that dumbfounded's daughter is exhibiting criminal tendencies? It's hard to see any other implication if it is not legal to own hollow point bullets his daughter must have a left her state b bought the ammunition in another state and c returned to her state in violation of the law does that sound likely or is it more likely that she was told by the guy in the gun store that hollow points are recommended for home defense uh this is 
This is amazing. Oh, it goes on, by the way. I'm not done here. I mean, Charles found it. Remember, this is National Review, Charles Cook. He's found a real gem. The advice columnist goes on. Uh, she, ran up, she randomly uh, Googled some statistics and then had more insinuation. Quote, in a report published in 2015, this is from the advice columnist, folks. folks researchers at the University of Chicago found that 31% of households reported having a firearm in 2014, down from about 48% in 1980. According to this study, there are more guns but concentrated in fewer households. Why must your household be one of them? Where did your daughter get this weapon and ammunition? Has she received any safety training or certification? Accidental gun death is a substantial risk of owning a gun. Is she perhaps engaged in another activity outside of your household that exposes her to increased risks and makes her believe she needs a weapon? I mean, like, the advice columnist is basically like, I mean, is she she running some drugs on the side? You know, she got a little little Pablita Escobar stuff going on here because she owns a forty caliber handgun. Crazy, man. I think this is 100% real. I, you know what? As I've gone further Dude, into it. I think this I, is I, I like this the is, effects of what our liberal media has done to everyday people. This is a crazy lib. Yeah. I think you're right. I, 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 was wa- I wanted to believe that it couldn't be real, but now I think it is real. <laughs> I think it is, too. I think it is. So sad. And then, wait, then the last thing from the advice columns. I have news for you. A locked bedroom door is no match for this weaponry. As I write this just five days ago. A father in South Carolina tragically shot and killed his own 23-year-old daughter through a closed door. He mistook her for an intruder. Yeah, that's a sad story, but uh, the, the likelihood of him shooting his daughter through a closed door is very, very, very small. Um, man, you know, this is, dude, my theory is always that people, the, the debate is over guns, but it's really around how people don't like gun owners, and this is a perfect example of this. There is a a a kind of uh, vitriolic, visceral, despising of gun owner that comes through in this entire advice column, and from this dad, too. Yeah, absolutely. Millions and millions and millions of people own guns all across this country. Producer Mike has a rifle on his forehead right now. I do. The anti-gun folks are nuts, team. Just letting you know. They are nuts. They, they, this, this drives them into a panic. And this column's fantastic. Thanks to hat tip to a big hat tip to Charles Cook over at National Review for really finding this and pulling it apart. It was it was good stuff. You are now entering the Freedom Hunt Tactical Operations Center. All sensitive programs must be kept strictly need to know. Team Buck is cleared. Roger that. And ready for the Buck Brief. Well, Iran did do it, and you know they did it because you saw the boat. I guess one of the mines didn't explode, and it's probably got essentially Iran written all over it. And you saw the boat at night trying to take the mine off and successfully took the mine off the boat. And that was exposed, and that was their boat that was them. Bottom line is it shows a desire by Iran to be more provocative, not less. I would applaud the administration for calling them out, and we need to put more pressure, not less. If they actually did this, this would be a major provocation that should be answered with a major response. You know, there were media outlets that were running with this, essentially a version of without evidence. I mean, you had CNN tweeting out last night. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo blamed Iran for an attack on two tankers in the Gulf of Oman. And I mean, this is just classic saying the assessment was based on intelligence. 
but offering no evidence for his claim. You know, I'm all okay with journalists being skeptical of things and, and getting answers and just the facts and all this stuff. But does anyone really think, does anyone really believe for a second that this kind of in your face, obvious undermining skepticism would be put forward by a major news organization about a Democrat administration's secretary of state? Do you think they ever would have run a story about Secretary Clinton claims without evidence that the attack on a U.S. or allied facility was, in fact, terrorists? Now, this is not to say they shouldn't fact check and look into it. And, and but it's just this is the headline. Remember, if you question Bob Mueller or Jim Comey. The media thinks that you're undermining our core institutions, putting our democracy at risk. But if you slip in an offering no evidence line to undermine the secretary of state's assessment after an Iranian attack on an oil tanker. Well, then you work for CNN. I was just uh, had an exchange with. My friend Jonathan Shanzer from the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. And I just said to him, man, you know, it's 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 pretty stunning how when you're overseas and you see how CNN International presents America to the rest of the world, it's anti-American propaganda. I, I, I can't I, I would not be comfortable working for CNN International, given the way that it shows America. I, I think that that's a problem. But saying things about Mike Pompeo that make it seem like he must be some kind of liar. Um, that's that shouldn't surprise any of us. They will take any opportunity to trash this administration. Anyone who works for this administration, this is just their approach. Uh, this is what Pompeo had to say about why the Iranians were behind this place. Seven. Iran is lashing out because the regime wants our successful maximum pressure campaign lifted. No economic sanctions entitle the Islamic Republic to attack innocent civilians, disrupt global oil markets, and engage in nuclear blackmail. The international community condemns Iran's assault on the freedom of navigation and the targeting of innocent civilians. Our policy remains an economic and diplomatic effort to bring Iran back to the negotiating table at the right time, to encourage a comprehensive deal that addresses the broad range of threats. Threats today apparent for all the world to see. To peace and security. Is there anything objectionable about this? Does anyone really think that Mike Pompeo is doing something other than trying to promote U.S. and allied national security interests in this part of the uh, in this part of the world? Well, the answer is that there are journalists who clearly think that there's something up here. There's some. Uh, some dishonesty at work. They they will not. They do not take the Secretary of State at his word, even when the other side of the table is Iran. Until last night, you know, I was on Fox News last night. We're talking about this issue. Until last night, when you had, <laughs> it was amazing, video released, video of Iran removing a limpet mine from. An, an unexploded limpet, limpet mine from a tanker in the uh, Gulf of Oman. So we have video of the Iranians putting a 
a uh, essentially a, a fast mover, a fast boat, right up against the was the Kokuru Courageous and the Front Altair. Those were the two tankers that were attacked. Uh, two explosions up alongside them, and we've got video, video of the Iranians doing this, but they wouldn't. They, they wouldn't wait. They, they wouldn't uh, allow the administration to even present anything before they start saying, without evidence, without evidence, Trump is and his administration is saying all this stuff. Wow. It's quite a thing when you have overpaid and pampered U.S. journalists who would rather believe the Iranian government propaganda that the Trump administration is lying about this attack than they would believe the Trump administration. And those who will say, and I saw some of this today too, oh, but Trump lies about this and that and there's all these lies. No. Trump exaggerates, engages in hyperbole, and in his fights with the media, yes, sometimes he is untruthful as a means of trying to fight back against the media. But on important Issues that affect the American people. If you ask me, if you said right now, Buck, I will give you $10,000, which is like two months rent in a studio apartment in New York City now. <sighs> but if you're like, I give you $10,000. I know, Mark, it's depressing, isn't it? It's crazy, dude. The city's wild. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, $10,000, if you could tell me a major lie about an important policy issue that Trump has has told, not a difference of opinion, I wouldn't be able to come up with one. And when you start taking Trump's fibs, Trump's misdirections, Trump's uh, issues with the truth on my on minor things, and you start expanding that out to, well, now we can't trust them when they say the Iranians are attacking an oil tanker. Sorry, this is a this is a a stage of Trump derangement syndrome. This is not normal. This is not acceptable. This is not something that we should. Uh, let pass that journalists had to be really convinced, you know, that, that this wasn't a false flag or something. Who else is going to be attacking an oil vessel, an oil tanker in the Gulf of Oman, if not the Iranians? And there's no one else that even makes sense. And the administration knows that this is going to be questioned. They know that if they got this wrong, the stakes are very, very high. But you just would note that the, the, they'll hide behind and say, oh, our skepticism is just because we want the facts. But we know that they would never have had this kind of skepticism in an Obama, with the Obama administration. Never. It never would have happened. Absolutely never would have happened. So, oh, wait, Trump, uh, just quick update here on what's going on with uh, China. Uh, Trump is saying that things are still looking like they're going to he he's confident there'll be some kind of deal. I don't think it's going to happen until after Trump's reelection, which I am China. There we go. I am confident in. But here's what the Trumpsters saying about China and how we're doing with all this. Play clip 4, please. We expect to have a meeting with President Xi. We're doing very well with respect to China. We're taking in billions and billions of dollars which we never took in before. The tariffs are are been, you know, very strong. We have 25% of $250 billion, and tremendous money is flowing into our treasury. China is subsidizing those companies, so our people are not paying for it. If you look, our people are not paying for it. China is subsidizing those companies so that people continue to work. Now, the problem for China is that a lot of companies are leaving China because they don't want to pay the tariffs. But we're doing very well. We'll see what happens here, but 
Trump is sticking to his guns on the China trade fight, and he seems very confident in this still. And our economy is still very strong, as we know. So let's see if Trump's able to pull this pull this one off. Um, but on Iran, we're not going to war with Iran. Don't listen to all the media. that They're hyperventilating about it because it allows them to bash Trump. Trump's a warmonger. No, he's not. Obama was. The timing is immediate. We are out of money. Uh, we will not have the money to continue to run this program where we take care of children, children who come into this country by themselves illegally. They're given to us to care for them. By the end of this month or early next month, we will have no money. And we've already had to take drastic measures to protect their life and safety with what little money we have left. This isn't about politics. This is about life and safety. It's a humanitarian crisis. We are seeing double the number of kids coming into this country by themselves. Uh, We've already had as many kids come to our care as did the entire previous year. Mm. And Congress simply has to act. There's not a choice. Because what happens if we don't get this money immediately is we go into what's effectively a government shutdown where we have to run these facilities on an IOU. We are already functionally out of capacity. Kids are backing up at the border because Congress isn't acting. That's Alex Azar of uh, HHS. He's the secretary. He's saying that they're just running out of money now. I mean, the crisis has gone beyond just the numbers that are turning up at the board of the individuals. Now the, the resources that are being deployed uh, are, are running very, very low. We want to bring somebody on who can speak to just exactly what's happening now and what they're seeing. We have Brian Hastings, Chief Brian Hastings of U.S. Border Patrol with us right now. Chief, we appreciate you making the time. Hey, thanks for having me on, Buck. First, what what is going on now? I mean, give me, give me kind of a, a, a view of what's happening on the ground for the last 30 or so days. Oh, happy to. So we're, we're unfortunately seeing, we're seeing Border Patrol breaking records, and those aren't records that we want to break. Um, we've seen 642,000 arrests so far this year. That's higher than any fiscal year that we've had for the last 10 years. Um, we're, like I said, breaking records in almost everything. We've, we have seen May arrest were 132,000. Um, we saw daily averages, or average arrest during May was 4,286. And we, we saw large groups that we've never, frankly never seen before. We had uh, six days in May that were over 5,000 apprehensions. Um, we had multiple numbers of large groups, as I said, 48 large groups just in May alone. So, so far this fiscal year, We've had over 192 large groups. We classify those large groups as a group over 100. Um, we had a day, March 29, or I'm sorry, May 29th, 2019, where we actually apprehended a group of 1,045 individuals. Um, so we we are seeing our numbers of those that we're encountering, primarily family units and unaccompanied alien children, dramatically increase from day to day, uh, and those records are not records we want to be breaking. How are you doing on the resource side? Uh, you had HHS Secretary Azar saying that unless Congress gives funding, they're, they're going to be running short. I mean, what will that mean specifically for Border Patrol operations? So we, we have already seen that hit us hard in that we, have, we haven't seen a flow like this, and especially a demographic like this, where historically we had primarily single adults from contiguous Mexico who we could repatriate very quickly now we have a new demographic of single adults 
and family units, which comp, which make up about 65% of our apprehensions right now, who essentially we, we have nothing, no consequence that we can apply under FLORAS and TVPRA, which means um, we depend heavily on our partners with both uh, Health and Human Services, Office of Refugee Resettlement, and ERO, ICE, to pick up those those aliens and transport them from our facilities. Now, they are not funded properly to do that. They don't have the bed space and the funding to do that. So our capacity numbers, those are those individuals that we have in our short-term detention, we've been forced to have them in our custody a lot longer than we, we should have them. Um, we're supposed to be short-term detention facilities, but due to the number, the sheer volume, and the lack of bed space uh, for those individuals to be able to move them out of our custody, we don't have that. So we're stuck holding them a lot longer uh, than we should be, which has led us to increase our medical contracts. Um, we have dramatically increased our medical screening and our contract capabilities across the southwest border. We've had to increase our transportation contracts just so we can transport those individuals in high volumes in those large groups that I spoke to uh, back to our stations for processing. And then in addition to all that, just the sheer volume of consumables, feeding and caring for those individuals who are in our custody, uh, we have eaten into a lot of our own operational money to do that. Uh, and we are in bad need, uh, as Secretary, Secretary Azar said, we're in bad need of additional funding now in order to care for the humanitarian crisis that we have. Chief Hastings, how is this affecting the core mission of Border Patrol on the national security side, dealing with the cartels, preventing illegal alien smuggling and, and you know, other, other bad actors, gang members, cartel assassins, uh, traffickers? What, what does this mean for all of those mission sets? So that, that, unfortunately, we realize that the humanitarian mission is a very important one, and our agents risk their lives daily saving those who put themselves in a bad situation or who are put in a bad situation by smugglers. Um, however, when you're dedicating 40 to 60 percent of your manpower from the border security mission, you're pulling them just to do the transportation, the detention, the processing, care, and feeding for these individuals something has to give, and that's border security, unfortunately. So while we're tied up dealing with these large amounts of family units and unaccompanied children, um, there are parts of the border that are wide open. We have shut down checkpoints in certain locations. We have also shut down or canceled training for our agents. We've canceled leave for our agents, uh, annual leave, and, and the ability to just take some time off. Um, training, as I said, and then we pulled agents off of task forces with valuable partners who we get information and intelligence from. So all of these things come at a very large cost, not to mention um, we're sending on average about 76 uh, individuals that we detain into secondary medical care per day. So that's basically to a hospital or a clinic, and with that comes the necessity to send an agent with them to, since they're in our custody, to basically care and watch over them, um, which is also, that again, pulls more agents from the border security mission. Chief Hastings of uh, U.S. Border Patrol. Chief, please keep doing what you're doing, man, and let us know if we can help get the word out some more. You guys have got your hands full and then some. Appreciate it, Buck. Thank you. All right, team, we'll be back right after this break.
this has been the honor of a lifetime, the opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, I couldn't be prouder to have had the opportunity to serve my country and particularly to work for this president. Uh, he has accomplished so much in these two and a half years, and it's truly been uh, something I will treasure forever. Uh, it's one of the greatest jobs I could ever have. I've loved every minute, even the hard minutes. Uh, I have loved it. I love the president. I love the team that I've had the opportunity to work for. The president is surrounded by some of the most incredible and most talented people you could ever imagine. And uh, it's truly the most special experience. Uh, the only one I can think of that might top it just a little bit is uh, the fact that I'm a mom. I have three amazing kids. And uh, I'm going to spend a little more time with them. Sarah Huckabee Sanders getting a little emotional, man. It has been quite a, call it quite a ride, probably dramatically understates it. But it has been quite an experience, to be sure, to have been in the, in the role of White House press secretary. And she's been with Trump. Do you see all the people that were jumping all over Trump because he's had three and a half years? They're like, oh, Trump can't do math. These were journalists. I mean, I know there's only so many times I need to say that journalists, so many of them are morons, but yes, she has been with Trump for three and a half years because she started during the campaign, people. So when he says thank you for three and a half years, it's not that Trump can't count. It's that journos are morons. Did you see this was a thing yesterday? Yeah. People were calling him out. Oh, Trump can't count. And if he did Thanks. it the other way, they would have said, well, he's been with you three and a half years because she started with you back. Correct. Either yeah. way, I guess. Dude, they just, the, the hatred for Trump is so is so bizarre it really is it's just out, it's just out of control um that's that's every day we can say that on the show I mean, they just they don't even care it doesn't even matter anyway trump had some nice words to say about sarah we're gonna talk a little about this press secretary job because i got an idea um i know i know a guy who's got a little more time on his hands but uh, we'll get to that in a second here's what the president had to say about the Work ethic and uh, skills of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Play clip two. A friend, a woman, a great, great, magnificent person, actually, named Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And she's very popular. She's done an incredible job. We've been through a lot together, and she's tough, but she's good. You know, you also have tough and bad, right? She's tough and she's good. She's great. And she's going to be leaving uh, the service of her country, and she is going to be going, I guess you could say private sector. She is a special person, a very, very uh, fine woman. She has been so great. She has such heart. She's strong, but with great, great heart. And I want to thank you for an outstanding job. Yes, and thank you. Come. Thank you, honey. Thank you. I got to say, she she was better in this role than I would have thought at the beginning. I thought she really kind of grew into it and and stepped up her game. And that was, I'm sure, in in some at some level, a, a trial by fire situation where she just was thrown to the thrown to the wolves and realized it was going to be her or the wolves. So she got real, uh, real, real fiery when she had to. I think she, I think she did a very good job. I think she was a very competent member of the administration and also was someone who was among the most I mean I, I right now they hate Barr the most because Barr is going to be problems for them they know that they hate Barr the most uh, which is not it's not that Barr is dumb or you know that all these things that they like to say about Republicans he's just a threat to their whole narrative and they know that that inspector general report whenever it comes out could be a real problem for them 
So that's why Barr is just getting in their way and makes them upset and all this other stuff. Um, but Huckabee Sanders was probably in the top five of, for the media, certainly, hated Trump figures. I mean, they really, really despised her in, in a way that was, it was so unnecessary. I mean, uh, what, what did she really do exactly? They said, oh, you know, the that she lied about this or that. And I would say, what's the big lie that she told that was so important or so upsetting to to have to uh, hear or deal with? And then, oh, well, you know, they start mumbling about something. They have no idea exactly what the lie was, but they know that there's, she lies, they say. That's what they'll always say. Oh, here. You have to take my word for it. Uh, CNN, is, I didn't realize April Ryan is at CNN now. Uh, that's perfect. Makes perfect. Dude, hashtag resistance. It's a real industry. You, if, you, if you turn hashtag resistance and you get enough attention and you can get into enough battles the president, CNN will put you on air no matter how uh, generally worthless your political analysis and, and reporting may be on any one issue. April Ryan. Yeah, and also let's step back for a moment. Usually you'd think there's, there's always a little bit of a combative. You know, we had smarmy smurf Jay Carney back in the day. You know, there's always a little bit of a. When there's an administration that is not on your is not your team or is not your political party, there's going to be a slightly contentious relationship with the press. But you would think that once the press secretary steps down in a a, a normal time, in normal circumstances, you would have. Some some like, oh, you know, we wish you well on the way out. No, not with not with the Trump administration, not with the journalists that have been surrounding Trump this whole time and, and all the people that are trying to work for him and do what they can for the country. Here's what April Ryan, here's the, the magnanimity, the, the decency and kindness that April Ryan is able to summon for Sarah Huckabee Sanders' departure. Play three. Aaron, she did the right thing. She did the right thing. She should have done the right thing a long time ago. Um, the reason why I say that is because she suffers from liabilities. And her tenure has been fraught with sex, lies, and videotape. From the moment she stepped into that position, there were lies from that podium from her mouth about the videotape uh, grabbed by the P word with the Tic Tac. Then she's lied, 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 lied. And then the video, that propaganda video that she put out about our own Jim Acosta, you know, saying Mm -hmm. that he hit someone when he indeed didn't to take his badge from him and he ultimately got it back after court rulings and and, and a, a big fight but basically when sarah huckabee had no ground to stand on she would make personal attacks uh there were many times that she would leave after 12 minutes of doing a briefing because she could not face the heat that's right white house press corps can't help themselves just want to Want to trash Sarah Huckabee Sanders? If, if you're a Democrat, if you're part of hashtag Resistance Media, you view all oppor- you view all chances to trash anyone associated with Trump as too valuable to pass up, as too valuable to ignore. And so here we are, here we are, folks. And then you get people saying, "Well, Buck, you know, I know somebody who might be pretty good at this job." He's got uh, a fine swoop of hair. He is fast on his feet. He's got a uh, breadth of knowledge. Apparently quite a ladies' man. Thank you, Buck. 
That's right. Producer Mike, everybody. <laughs> you know, I was actually going to go with Hogan Gidley, but uh, we'll go with Producer Mike there. <laughs> yeah. Hogan Gidley is the one that everyone's talking about right now. Um, he's, he's a, he's a, uh, a snappy dresser, to be sure. Heather Nauer would be, would be great. Um, that, that would be another, another one that I would think would be very much in the, at the top uh, of the list. Saw been... Steve Cortez, too. Uh, from CNN? Yeah. Is that name really? You know, I saw yeah, Steve. You know, he's a big dude. He played football at G-Town. Yeah, I saw oh, him. Wow. We, we were hanging out at the Trump Hotel. He's a, he's a big dude. And I asked him, I said, dude, you must have played football because you don't look like when he's like, oh, like I work in media. You know, he's like a big dad. He's like, oh, yeah, I played football at Georgetown. Yeah. And I was like, wow, Steve Cortez giving me a ticket to the gun show. There you go. Yeah, that's right. I was like, which way is the beach, Steve? He wouldn't flex for me, though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, his, his name's in the mix. Heather Nauert, Hogan Gidley, my man Pete Hegseth. Yeah, his wow. name has been floating around a little bit, too. You know, it's this is all the... The intrigue, it's fun because everyone can just say, oh, I heard a rumor, and we're all hearing rumors, but I don't, I don't know who it's really going to be. If I had to put money on it, probably, it'd probably be Hogan Gidley. I mean, the guy's already there, but Hogan or Heather Knight. I don't even know who Melania's spokeswoman, Stephanie Grisham, I, I've never seen her before or heard of her, but today she's Fox has her at the very top of the list of possible contenders. You know what would be amazing, though? If Trump just decided to be his own press secretary. If he just showed up and he was like, all right, what have you got for me today? You know? And he just, like was the guy, but that might melt too many. Literally, you would watch, it would be like the end of Indiana Jones and the, and the uh, what's the first one? Not the, not the Temple of Doom, not the Lost, Last Crusade. Ark of the Covenant, right? Yeah. You'd yeah. Be like, what's the first Indiana Jones movie called? It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah. thank you. Raiders of the Lost Ark. It'd be like that when the Nazi faces melt, except it would be the Journo faces would all like, they'd all melt. <laughs> if Trump did his own press conferences at the end. And for those of you who are asking me, no, I'm not, you know, and, uh, it's just, it's not, for, it's not my thing. It's not my thing. I'm not a, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say I've been offered the job. I'm not going to say I'm not because I haven't been offered the job, but I'm not going to say I'm not. So, or I am maybe who knows, but it's not really, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a swamp creature, man. You got to really embrace this stinky methane filled Gator swimming swampiness of DC. If you're going to work uh, work with the press like that day in and day out, I mean, you've got to be a warrior. You've got to be a warrior for your side, and know they're just going to come at you with everything. And I don't know, you know, I don't need them asking everybody I went to high school with. You know, what was Buck like in high school? And then they write some story in the Daily Beast. They'll have that guy K File over at CNN writing something about how you know Buck Sexton promised girls in high school when he took their phone numbers he'd call them, and he never did. He's a mean man, you know, something like that. I'll be the enemy. So I don't think I'm going to be the White House press secretary. Um, I think that's a safe bet. I don't know if producer Mike is going to be. He's got connections. <laughs> Everybody loves producer Hannity's team loves producer Mike. Rush's yeah. team loves producer Mike. That means that this guy, you don't even know what kind of, they call it Wasta in the Middle East. Yeah. Don't, we don't know what kind of Wasta producer Mike's got stored up. Never so. know. Do you, do, you have a, do you have a bet, by the way, on who you think is going to be the? I don't know. I Ghibli makes sense. Um I just want somebody a little tough here. I mean, he seems like a nice guy, but I want—I like a—I need a puncher, man. I need a. I'm liking Cortez now. You say he play football. It means he's a little, might be a little aggressive. I like that. I want a fighter. I want a brawler. I want somebody like he, Trump. He may challenge back. Acosta to an arm wrestling match, and I can tell you, yeah. he might actually. Acosta's arm might get snapped in half. Good. He's a little fella. And I want Cortez. He's a little fella. Yeah, that's a possibility. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. White House press secretary libs are not given any. You know any. Uh, leeway or, or gratitude or anything they're not they're not being nice to Sarah on the way out but we knew they wouldn't because 
Libs don't they don't like to play nice. They don't like to be nice. This is just not really in their in their uh, bailiwick, you could say. So we'll see. But we got to some roll call coming up. It's Friday. It's the weekend. It's Father's Day. Good things. Stay with us. Democrat fight night will be upon us soon. Or actually, fight nights. It's two nights. June 26th and 27th. A, a, multi, a multi-night, multi-part event. Oh, man, I'm going to have to... Oh, uh, that means I'm gonna have to live tweet those things, man. That's gonna get that's gonna get interesting. I enjoy that. Uh, but you got uh, a lot of candidates gonna be in the mix, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that people will really get a chance to see that most of these Democrats are pretty clownish. Um, there will be some major issues raised. One of them is uh, you'll see Joe Biden saying stuff. That is completely contrary to the Joe Biden that we're all supposed to believe has existed for a long time. Just remember, Joe Biden is now a guy who is saying that he, he's he's going to abolish the Hyde Amendment. He's a, he's a an abortion hardliner now. He's an abortion hardliner. Before we listen to what he has to say to try to appease the crazy left wing base in this next debate, this is what Joe Biden sounded like back in 2006. Play 20. I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions, and they ought to be able to have a common ground and consensus as to do that. Common ground, consensus, limit, not a a choice and a right. He says, although I don't really know what he what he thinks he's saying with that. He called it a tragedy. You think you'll hear anything like that from Joe Biden that you're going to get on the 26th and the 27th? I can assure you the answer is no. And this is where the media advantage that the Democrats have becomes so important because they will allow they will allow Democrats to say whatever they have to to try to win in the primary and then we'll make sure that they're not that there's not a major megaphone of the flip-flop that's being blasted out to the rest of the country all the time so people will know what's going on. I mean, that's that's what I think is happening here. Um, Joe Biden is going to get away with whatever he has to get away with so that he can be the nominee. It's also why you see them saying that uh, um, they are really hoping that these uh, these polls that show Biden early on ahead of Trump in some key states, they, they want to see if there's some momentum with that. Um, they want to see what's going on there because... Biden's entire appeal to the Democrats is he'll beat Trump. That's it. They don't, nothing else. Ma- if he beats Trump, they'll, they'll be, uh, if he will beat Trump, they're behind him. Nothing else matters to them. The policy. But Biden could say that he's a space alien from the planet, you know, Zog or Zod or wherever. The, is that from, um, you know, uh, what's that? Flash Gordon. Isn't it planet Zod or something? Am I, am I crazy? I'm not sure. I thought that, I'm not. I'm not is that the, where that where are the bad guys in Superman from? That's what you know I mean? thought it was. Yeah, was yeah, Superman. yeah. That's right. I think that's what it is. Zod. Um, not to be confused with Izod, the clothing store. So, whatever the, whatever they have to do, they're going to do as long as Biden's numbers are strong. But I think you're going to see Biden's numbers slipping. Um, but just remember, he's a guy that changes on a dime. Doesn't matter what he used to say. He says whatever he has to say whenever he has to say it in order to win. And then you've also got the debate that will be on display over socialism, which is fantastic because Democrats will pretend whoever wins this primary, by the time that person gets to the general election, there will be this 
move away from the, the open discussion of socialism because the American people, even if the polls you see are correct, we got like 40% of Americans, 30% of Americans like socialism, whatever it may be, that's not enough to win. So they'll act like, oh, the Republicans are just making this stuff up about socialism. Meanwhile, you're going to hear from guys like John Hickenlooper that the Democratic Party should not be the party of socialism. Play 19. Democrats must say loudly and clearly that we are not socialists. I don't think they're going to say that. And I don't think they're going to say that at this point because the left wing base not just because of Bernie Sanders, but the Democrat base on the left has largely embraced democratic socialism. And I always want to ask them, what is the real difference? You know, they, they say democratic socialism and it's a, it's supposed to immediately moderate their make them seem more moderate in their position. Oh, well, it's democratic socialism. It's going to be like European style socialism. Well, well, what aspect when you say Europe, Europe's a big place, a lot of countries. Who are we going to be like in Europe? Which economy are we going to try to emulate? They say the Nordic countries. Well, then we have we're going to have much higher taxes and much lighter government regulation of business and of uh, entrepreneurship and a lot of free market stuff that goes on in those Nordic countries. Better than what we have in this country when it comes to the regulatory environment. So is that what they want? Well, we know what they want. They they want a massive government takeover of the uh, well completion of the government takeover of the healthcare system and then also a, 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 a an environmentalism enforced from above that allows them the ability to just control every aspect of your life uh, greater redistribution of wealth the enshrinement of identity politics into law I mean these these are some of the core uh, amnesty for illegals and a de facto open border status these are all the things that Oh, yeah, we have to look forward to in these Democrat debates. We'll see what they end up saying. But, you know, dude, I think I think Elizabeth, I, I think Elizabeth Warren is going to she's going to come out of this one looking strong for the Democrats. We'll see. The show ain't over yet, folks. Keeping it real. We're gonna do two it's time for roll call. Now, team, I'm doing the show from the Freedom Hut NYC today, and even though I grew up here, it's funny, when you when you leave this place for a while, when you leave for a bit, and then you, uh, you come back, even if you're in a place like the Swamp in D.C., which is, is pretty crowded, but it's, it's not really crowded the way that a place like New York is. It's not even the same, same league, man. And walking on the streets here, you get the sense there are tourists that would just Trapes over my dead and mangled body to get one of those I, I heart New York T-shirts they sell by Central Park. Producer Mark, you know what I'm talking about. They see those things, man. They still sell those T-shirts. People still, I don't know why people want them. I don't know why they want them either. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, it's, maybe it's so kitschy that it's almost cool or something. I don't know. But, you know, and they, you know they moved the horses finally from the southern end of Central Park. I, walk, I did a little walk around the, a loop around the park today. And they moved the horses because the the smell of manure was too much for the residents. Finally, they they banded together and they banished the horse poop from their streets. So now they're kind of interior into the park. So you know you learn the the city changes, man. Stuff change. Although it just keeps getting more expensive all the time. That's the other part of it that one has to be aware of. 
All right, enough of my uh, urban adventures here in NYC. And they, you know they don't have they don't have those little nerdy electric scooters that I can neither confirm nor deny I use on a regular basis in D.C. Because if I did use them on a regular basis, that would be nerdy. So let's just leave that as neither confirmed nor denied. But pretty sure that they're awesome as long as no one sees you on them. But they don't have them here in New York, so I kind of miss that. All right, John writes, uh, ooh, what do we got here? Shield Sai, a prediction of the two-night Democrat debate coming up. Not one question will be actually answered, and they will end up beating each other up over who's the biggest Trump hater. John, I think you're probably right. I think that's a, a likely, because right now it's all about getting the base to go along, getting the base to be you know, on board. And so we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see who's able to do that. I mean, you have so many contenders at this point. You know, the, the Democrat 2020 field is so dense. Here we go. Uh, we have in the first 2020 Democratic primary debate, I can give you a I, I pulled up a graphic of this. You have Senator Michael Bennett of Colorado, former Vice President Joe Biden, Senator Cory Booker, Democrat, New Jersey, South Bend, Indiana, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, former HUD Secretary Julian Castro, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, former Representative John Delaney of Maryland, Representative Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York, Senator Kamala Harris, uh, Kamala Harris, rather, of California, former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, Washington Governor Jay Inslee, Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, Representative Beto O'Rourke of Texas, Tim Ryan of Ohio, Bernie Sanders of Vermont, Eric Swalwell of California, Warren of Massachusetts, Marianne Williamson, activist and entrepreneur, Andrew Yang. Whew. Man. That's like. It's like when I have to do one of those live reads that are really long and get it in under 60 seconds. That was, I felt like the Micro Machines, man. Do you remember the Micro Machines guy? They just sold like tiny little plastic models of cars and planes, you know, made in China or Taiwan or whatever. And they had the Micro Machines guy who was like, he talked really fast in the commercials. He was the most famous. He was the best part of Micro Machines. Because then when you got them, you realize this is just a small, crappy toy. And you just got a lot of small, crappy toys. It's not, not much you can do with them. All right, back to... Back to back to business, Sexton. Richard writes, Buck, Trump messed up, but it's not that big of a deal. Clinton stooge Stephanopoulos was obviously sent to create a distraction from Trump's success with Mexico, and he fell for it. He really needs to stop trying to be nice to these criminals. Uh, that clown should never have gotten access to the president. Also, I know that, that fighting back has been his strength so far, but I think it's time for him to ignore their histrionics and accusations. They're desperate and want the attention it brings on their stupid statements when he responds. He needs to get the focus back onto his agenda and stop letting them get him off the messages he needs to deliver. All right. Um, I, I agree that the, the president, it would be a good thing, I think, if he were able to focus more on his message instead of countering their message. This is always a concern of mine with this president. He's so good at counterpunching that it feels like, He's always who's who's going to hit me next, and because he wants to counterpunch, but you know he could actually go on offense. He could jab, jab, you know, stick and move, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, you know. Seven little chipmunks sitting on a branch, eating a lot of acorns on my uncle's ranch. Step into my office. You know what I'm talking about, Mark? You've you've seen that movie? No. 
Balls, really? Man, all right, fine. Mark, I'm in the I'm in the studio today with Mark, so I keep trying to see him, trying to catch him, trying to catch him napping over there. It's not fr- It's not weekend yet. Now Mark. you can give me dirty looks in person. That's right. Yeah. It's not Friday yet, Mark. I mean, it's not rather it's not weekend yet. You got a few more minutes of nationally syndicated radio to get your butt through before you can. Do you drink? What's your What's your beverage of choice? Either beer or vodka. Beer. What kind of vodka we go for? Uh, usually Tito's. That's a good call. Yeah. It's, it's Texas potato potato vodka. Unlike that other swill that's made with grain. Not too cheap, not too expensive. No, Tito's is my is my go-to, actually. So there you have it. Uh, let's see. Andrew writes. Um, hold on. No, he tells me about something. Okay, here we go. David. Hey, Buck, there's no reason to go any further south than Outer Banks, North Carolina. Charleston and Savannah are great, but when you get to Florida, it starts to get dicey. Well, David, I, I like, I don't know, man. I know the, there's this whole Florida man thing now, and people talk about Florida all the time. I like Florida. Oh, that's a cool hat. Where'd you get that? You get all the, all the like fancy people come to New York, and then they don't come visit me in the swamp. You get all the good gear up here. Yeah, Black Rifle Coffee, guys. Black Rifle guys hooked you up? Yeah. That's, that's some, I want one of those hats. It's a legit hat. They like producer Mike, though. It's legit, but you know what? I do get funny looks in New York City. So the hat is has the American flag and a rifle on it, and I do get. I had somebody look at me today, like just make eye contact with my hat. I was like, "Ugh." Heaven forbid the American flag and a rifle. Seriously, what is the world coming to, producer Mike? I know. Crazy, some crazy stuff. Uh, let's see. We got Calvin up in this piece. Greetings from behind enemy lines in central California. I've been to beaches from Hawaii to Florida, and the central coast of California has by far the best beaches. Oh, here we go. Somebody with a little bit of, uh, you know, Cali pride. From Pismo, uh, Pismo north to Morro Bay, Cambria, Monterey, and Santa Cruz. Calvin, they are, there are some beautiful beaches along the way there. There's no question. And I think that Big Sur and that whole part of California that's between San Fran and L.A. is... It's just, it almost doesn't look real, especially if you're driving on the Pacific Coast Highway when the uh, sun's starting to set. It's incredible. Uh, but that said, Hawaii's pretty awesome. Hawaii's got some pretty nice beaches, from what I understand. William writes, in reference to the Lib saying Trump is inviting foreign interference in our election, let us not forget that a few months ago, Hillary Clinton asked China to hack Trump's tax returns, Shields High. Uh... Did that happen? I don't remember that happening, but is that is that a thing that, yeah, producer Mike, let me know if that actually, if that went down the way that this guy says it went down. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Matthew, I know you only stated the first part, but I'd have to see where you justify doing the second part for the greater good, for their Democrats' greater good. You mentioned that if the Democrats win the presidency in Congress House, that they will push through amnesty with the illegals and flood the Democratic Party. Then everything becomes more and more like New York and California, slowly or quickly degenerating and people switch from democratic to republican the democratic party declares martial law for the good of the people and controls everyone just like the book 1984 whoa matthew pretty intense pretty intense stuff we're going for here my friend but uh at least at least you're not shy about it getting into it larry listening to yesterday's podcast about illegal immigrants and remembered an article from the wall street journal on april 23rd opinion page it was about the testimony regarding the adding of the immigration status question to the census form, the testimony of the head of ICE, he said the number of people undetermined status was 25 million, not 11 million. This is a similar number I've heard you suggest sometime. Love your show. 
Larry from near Cincinnati. Um, yeah, no, the, the 11 million number is a joke. I mean, I, the super math nerds at Yale all came together and their number was 20 to 30 million based on other data. The, the 11 million is we have census data. This is what the census data tells us. And the census data stays the same somehow year in and year out. That's what that's where they get the 11 million. There's nothing else that suggests 11 million is correct. It's it's all based on it, it is the baseline number comes from census data. But there's a lot of other data. Remittances sent back to Mexico. Oh, you can really you can track those remittances. Uh, to, uh, remittances sent back to Mexico. Look at the number of visa overstays every year. Look at the number. I mean, there's a lot of data you can crunch and professional data crunchers who look at this. I believe also there was an assessment from the financial community about the number of illegals. I think it was people maybe at Morgan Stanley or J.P. Morgan or one of these places. They looked at, into this for financial reasons, and they thought it was 20 to, 20 to 30 million. And the 20 million is a big difference than 11 million. You know, that's that I can tell you is a true thing. Good job, Buck. 20 million is different than 11. That's that's the kind of insight that we like to bring in the Freedom Hut day in and day out. Because it's Friday, we're going to have some more fun on the other side. Come back with a roll call. Stay right there. Michael writes, I'm sure glad I don't listen to your show for movie and music opinions. Just saying. Shield side. Whoa, hey, hey, you can't just like, you can't just throw that out there, dude. You got to call me out on some specifics. You got to tell me what exactly I've said about a, about movies or music that you disagree with, sir. So then I can buck slap right back at you. But if you're just going to say that, my my movie and music opinions are no are no bueno. Then that's you know how do, how can I say you're wrong? I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly, just like that. Exactly. That's how you got it. That that one left a sting. Actually, that one that one hurt. Uh, all right, but fine, man. You know, Michael, why don't you come back and bring the real ruckus and tell me what you disagree with? I mean, you know, if you tell me that you're you're watching, you know, you don't like Ghostbusters or something, that's important data for me to know because then I can just discount your opinion. Yeah, there's some movies where it's like, oh, you don't like that? And I'm going to tell you this right now. Anyone who tells me that they think that the Avengers movies are really good movies. I'm not saying you, you can enjoy them, but if you tell me they're a good movie, you may still be my friend. We may still be on the same side of political issues. I do not trust your judgment of movies anymore. Because Some of those Avengers movies, first of all, it's all the same movie. It's all just like the same series of actors with a lot of CGI. And then there's like, a plague of monsters at the end that destroy New York City, and they're all—it's all this. It's the same movie, and these was like a billion-dollar franchise. Like, how many times can people see a little Hulk smash? Like, oh look, and there's Thor with his big arms, and what's his name in the Iron Man suit being all not even really that witty. I mean, he's—he was better. The Iron Man movies I thought were great, but yeah, see now I'm digging a hole for myself because some of you're like, I love the Avengers movies. I certainly hope not, but some of you probably do. All right, here we go. Glenn writes, please read a good news story. Okay, here we go. My son graduated from Blackstone High School, Blackstone Millville High School last Friday. One of his classmates was uh, age of three on a jet ski with his father and was hit by a speedboat, killing his father instantly. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Bradley, the son, survived due to his life vest, but as a result was wheelchair bound. Well, at his graduation, his class watched with the help of his physical therapist, he stood and walked for the first time in front of his class to get his diploma. You can watch the video on YouTube. Thanks for sharing this with your audience. Okay, Glenn. Well, that's quite an that's quite an amazing accomplishment. I'll have to 
Uh, try to find that one on YouTube, and thank you for bringing it to my attention. Garth! Wayne? That's not Wayne's basement. Garth always makes me think of that Garth. I've actually, have, I, have you ever met a Garth that wasn't? Have you ever met someone whose name was Garth who wasn't from the Wayne's World Garth? No, I don't think this so. This is the first. Is this guy's name really Garth? I don't know. Former be... NHL goalie and Islanders GM Garth Snow. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, see, there you go. There you go. Could yeah. there, I mean, could this be the Garth, though? Garth Brooks. Mean? Uh, Buck, the other day you talked, oh, Garth Brooks, there we go. Now, I got to code red myself on that one. That's absurd. I should have gotten that. The other day you talked about the homeless and the mentally disturbed. You should reach out to Michael Medved. He and his psychiatrist wife have done a lot of good thinking on those two problem groups. Uh, yet I am glad that Seb Gorka replaced Medved in our market. I prefer the kick-ass style of conservatism. Uh, Garth, I, I do not. I don't know Michael Medved. I've actually never even I've never met him. Never talked to him. Never tweeted out. We've had zero contact of any kind, digital or otherwise. And, you know, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, do you know, do you know his stuff, Mike? I don't know his stuff. No, I'm not too familiar with him. I know who he is, but it's not that uh, familiar. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I'm just too busy just running this, this amazing radio show. I don't know. I don't, I don't know all the other radio shows, you know? So, uh, what can I tell you? Uh, Diane, Buck, I confess, when you first talked about the Uber rider rating system, I thought it was too much like China's system. After thinking about it for a while, I realized there's an important difference. In China, the rating system touches every aspect of the citizen's life, and it is enforced by the government. The Uber system is only used by that company and only applies to their customers. So I'm with you. Good for the Uber drivers. I hope their customers are incentivized to behave like decent human beings. As usual, your analysis is spot on. Shields high. Your analysis, not your analysis. Um, that's a different thing. I'm just saying. Just want to clarify. Uh, and I would say this, that, uh, you know, this is uh, one of these moments where I'm not going to take a victory lap and say, I told you so, guys. But, I mean, I kind of told you so on this one. Uh, the Uber rating the people that are involved, I, I don't see what the problem is here. I, I, like, I like that when somebody's going to engage in a business transaction with me in a certain platform or company, they know that I'm... You know, that I'm on the up and up. You know, if I say I'm going to be there for reservation, I'm going to be there. If I'm if you're going to pick me up and take me on a long car ride, I, I have a good reputation for, you know, being polite and professional and all the rest of it. So I like it. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of you came at me with the heat on that one, but at least Diane agrees with me. At least Diane is uh, on uh, Team Buck on this one. All right, everybody. I'm going to have a fantastic weekend. It's going to be Father's Day. I hope you all have a fantastic Father's Day. I'm going to be with my dad and my, my family uh, coming up on Sunday. So uh, enjoy yourselves. Get the barbecues roaring. Eat a lot of meat. Not fake meat. Not beyond meat. Real meat, please. And I will see you all or talk to you all on Monday. Shields high.